Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us, and today we're going to have an update on the situation in Israel. Uh, At the time of this recording, there's usually, you know, a four, five, six week lag between the time we do the recording and the time you're hearing it, but uh, we'll try and pump these things out uh, as quickly as we can. Today, our good friend Scott Wright is back on the program. Uh, He's come back and discuss what we're seeing right now at the time of this recording and how it all relates to Bible prophecy and what it has to say about the last days, you know, just before Jesus returns. Scott Wright's the author of the God Center Concept Journal, has a unique insight into prophecy in the end times and i just want to jump right into it right now so help me welcome back to a program our good friend scott rice scott praise god good to talk to you again buddy how are you doing bob great to be on the show amen amen well let's jump right into it okay uh before the recording start we're we're discussing how attacks on u.s personnel seem to be on the increase uh you know so far We've taken out ammo depots and, you know, a Jeep here or there type thing uh, in response against Iran and their proxies. But uh, how do you see all this starting to escalate now? Well, I mean, I think it's very obvious that Iran's trying to escalate the war and trying to drag in other countries to um, into the scenario, basically into the situation and see if they can broaden the conflict. The U.S. obviously is trying to avoid that. However, in many cases, we're putting personnel in danger just with the situation and how we're having we're trying to help Israel manage it. But it just seems like the more the more the United States helps to manage the situation, the more Iran is doing everything it can to really make to broaden the conflict with America in it to see if other if some of their other allies will join them. And I think they're trying to broaden this thing to make it more global. I think in their minds, they think that they can destroy Israel if they get enough other countries involved, or maybe that it'll wear down the resolve of the United States, you know, or or drive some type of rebellion in the United States. I'm not, I think they're just looking for the next hand. However, right now, if you look at the situation, I mean, the type of countries that could really, that could help them really aren't in positions to help them. You know, Russia is in no position right now to get involved in this conflict. They can posture all they want, but they're so embroiled in the Ukrainian situation that they're struggling just to manage that situation. And obviously Ukraine as well as China they're struggling just because their economy has completely tanked and they're on the verge of total economic collapse. So they're not really in positions to do anything about this. 
So what it really comes down to, are there more terrorist groups out there that would get involved potentially? You know, obviously we're not, you know, we're not sure if there's other ones that would get involved other than Hamas and Hezbollah, but we'll, we'll have to, I mean, we'll just have to see. I, I'm kind of wondering when is the United States going to respond to some of these terrorist attacks and, and show the fact that once we act or once the United States acts upon them, there's really nothing more that they can do. I mean, that they're just going to have to back off the United States and, and our armed forces that are there now. Because if we if we show real strength, if the United States will show real strength here, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah, but at the same time, isn't that one of the trigger points for these other Muslim nations uh, joining a conflict? That you know, oh, now the great Satan has has decided to join the battle. Right. So obviously, the United States to show real strength isn't about getting involved in full fledged war. But there are things that can be done. Number one, tightening more economic sanctions against Iran and not this show like the United States is sort of having economic sanctions right now. And that's really that's really what it is. It's more posturing right now by the United States with those economic sanctions instead of really tightening the belt. And they need to the United States government needs to tighten the belt more. And, and, and the United States government's capable of doing that. So that's a part of showing real strength because there's nothing anybody in the world can do about that if the United States does that. Nobody else has an economy like the United States to, to be able to put that kind of pressure on another country when they're doing what's being done. And I mean, you know, one of the other things we saw this week that was interesting is this and it's this whole thing inside the United States. It's it's the all the anti-Semitism that's going on. Yeah. It's increased by like three hundred and some odd percent. It's really it's really sad. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's just really sad that 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 has happened here in the United States. The other thing is is you know we saw the the president of the University of Penn basically be terminated from her position yeah. because of how she responded. And she finally admitted as such that she was way too legalistic and tried to play the middle ground. And, and in a situation like that, you're on a university campus. You cannot have people that are promoting genocide against any group. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, that's not, that has no place on a college campus. And she did nothing about it. And some of these other universities are losing support. They're losing funding. And if they don't step up to the plate and and just condemn genocide in general and not put up with this, then, you know, they're going to be in danger of not only losing their jobs, but but also losing credibility for the universities that are allowing this stuff. So so there's some of that going on, too. And I'm sorry, it just feels like our president's asleep in this thing. Oh, yeah, he, he's only uh, I mean, what what they say he. He gets up at 9 a.m. or something like that and doesn't have his first meeting till one or and then by five o'clock he's done for the day, basically. You know, I mean Wow. Yeah, I mean it's I it's mean, you know, it's it's you know, I, I might not be accurate on those numbers, but it it wasn't like his predecessor who would be awake at three AM texting people. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
Maybe he shouldn't have <laughs> had his cell phone, obviously, yeah, but he yeah, was awake true. and on the job. Exactly. Right, so, right. <laughs> that, that was a different type of problem. So, yeah. <laughs> but it certainly wasn't one from bringing energy to the situation and bringing and, and being involved because, you know, the, the job of the president is is multifaceted. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity in that job. And you're going to have to be engaged on many fronts all the time, which is going to demand a lot more energy and a lot more time. Oh yeah. And not and not yeah. stepping up to the plate and doing your job is just ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, I'm a teacher as well. To not be in my classroom when it starts with kids there mm-hmm. and then to finish the day, that's that's just not possible. That's right. So you know, Amen. you have to show up to work and you have to do your job and the president needs to do the same thing. And if he's not capable of it, then maybe it's time for a change in venue for him. Yeah. Amen. You know, yeah. maybe he needs to to go do something else. And my wife and I always, my wife and I always, uh, you know, like looking at pictures of someone who, when they first take office. Oh, yes. And then when they get ready to leave and you can see the aging process has taken hold. I mean, look, look at Abraham Lincoln. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. Yep. But what uh, I mean, a difference. Yeah. I mean, even in the modern era, you know, yeah. I mean, he killed FDR. And, yeah. I mean, just, you can see, you know, the gray hairs, <laughs> you know, even Obama, you know, I yeah. mean, from when he first took office to when he left eight years later, I mean, he, the aging process attacked him uh, because there's a, you know, I said you're you you have your set schedule, but you know how often does that actually work out? Exactly. And uh, you know there's there've been I've I've read stuff you know where you know they they, they try and you know okay nine o'clock I'm going up to the residence and you know the, that doesn't mean he's kicked back watching Monday night football you know but he's going up to the residence now to finish off his night and uh, he might get to bed at eleven thinking he's going to get up at four and begin the process all over. And at two 30, they come in and say, Hey, you got a phone call. You know, one of the generals in the middle East wants to talk to you, you know, type. Exactly. Thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh it's part of the job. Yeah, it is. And, and you accept that responsibility when you, when you run for it. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. campaigning out there, that's, that should be part of the vetting process. And, and I think one of the big issues is we had COVID going on at that time. On top of that, yeah. we had a highly controversial president, so it was more about what is Trump done today versus also are we vetting the other guy, That's Joe right. Biden? Is he up to the job? And I don't think that was done. I no, just don't think that was done all. correctly. It, it wasn't done. wasn't done by the media. It wasn't done by the public, and it certainly wasn't done even by the Democratic Party. Yeah, amen. amen. They should have vetted him more than yeah. they did. Well, when when we get back to what's going on in Israel right now, they had that week long lull in the battle yes. in order to get out some hostages and, and all that. Uh, and then when Hamas basically reneged on a couple promises of releasing mm-hmm. the women and children first, uh, you know, then Israel decided to. Re- crank back up the attacks and almost immediately 
they started being condemned by the world. Oh, you got to give them another chance, you know, type thing. Why has, like, you know, I mean, I have to give Joe Biden credit. He has resisted publicly, you know, accusing Israel of war crimes and stuff like some of these other countries are doing. But, you know, and that's costing him politically uh, on his base right now. So I have to give him credit for taking that stand. But why do you believe that Israel is, do you think Israel is going to cave? Uh, because you you talk about economic pressures and stuff like that being placed, you know, could we, that could be placed on Iran. Could other nations impose the same on Israel in order to force them to acquiesce to these demands? Well, the issue of him, of other countries doing that to them is what will do to those other countries, because the United States will will retaliate economically. That's not a position those countries can put themselves into, and so, you know, part of probably, and I would guess, you know, part of the jealousy, if you want, if you will, of these other nations is the fact of how much we protect how much the united states protects israel you know it's we don't you know we don't just protect them militarily we protect them economically too so we're not going to allow that to happen and you know we supply their ammo i mean we're supplying a lot of the stuff that they use to defend themselves and so we have a responsibility to israel we just do and it's not just because of what happened in World War II, but it's partly because of what happened in World War II. It's not just because Harry S. Truman's the one that signed the document that made them a nation again and made that decision, but that's part of it. And the other part of it is, is that anytime you've got a group of people out there that is trying to commit genocide, that's dangerous because how far... Not only is it just genocide against Israel, then then what's the next group they're going to target? Because there will be a next group. Oh yeah, yeah. There will be a next group. I mean, when when if if that you know, let's just play in the scenario. If if they were successful in that attempt, then they would definitely go and try to do it to somebody else afterwards, just to show that they can, just to show their power. There would be another group. I mean, you've got some of these Islamic groups. The Shiites and the Sunnis, I mean, there's some of those groups who try to commit genocide against the other group. Yeah, each other. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be the terrorist groups that would be doing it, obviously. But they they would, and that would, you know, that could be the next step, or it could be, hey, we're going to we're going to take out one of these little countries and we're going to do it by using terrorism as a as a front. And then eventually we're going to come in and finish them off. I mean, that's the that's the mentality that a group like that has. And so we have to understand that. And I think the world has to understand that is that the United States defends Israel, but it's also partly about defending other nations and other peaceful groups of people. And I think that's, I think that needs to be said here. And I think that needs to be seen by people. Yep. And, and, you know, let's talk for a moment about seeing a report on this, Oh, a few days back, the rebuilding of the Gaza Strip, right? Uh, 
when all this is said and done. Because right now, they are just leveling basically every single building over there. And, you know, so, okay, let's say finally they reach some sort of agreement, whatever. How much is it going to cost to rebuild? And who's going to pay for that? Israel can't afford to re pay for rebuilding all that. No. Uh, so where is all that going to come from? And what are the political ramifications for that? You know, I mean, you know, I know the United States will help and all that, but where are we going to get the money from? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I would, I would guess, and this is just my thinking, is that that Abraham Accords is going to come into play here. I think I could see the UAE helping, being one of the partner countries that might help to rebuild that area and make that a, a multinational zone make it an international zone and not not just Palestine, which is what I think needs to happen. You to, to make that work, unless Israel just completely takes it over, to really probably make that work, it needs to turn into a multinational or international city like, you know, kind of like what London or Mexico City is, mm -hmm. something of that caliber, you know, almost like Dubai is. I mean, it's those are those cities are international cities. They're they've got all kinds of people groups. They've got all kinds of different uh, types of economics in those areas. That's a port city. I just I just see that that could be the answer to that. Oh, yeah. I, I think that will be the answer. I I think it'll be done by a multitude of nations, and I think I could see that area being zoned off as that, and almost so, become just a huge city that does that they you know they can rebuild it i just think it's going to have to be done by multiple groups so let's look at that uh if all these surrounding muslim nations will say okay want to form this multi-nation coalition to go in and rebuild the gaza area that means all these muslim nations will now have a foothold right next door to israel literally Right. And Israel's not going to want that. So would the negotiations of this help proceed or prop push along the uh, rebuilding of the third temple? You know, and that's a good question. And and I figured that would be a question you would ask here in just a few minutes anyway, because we've talked about it so much. Mm -hmm. here, here's what I think. I actually think it won't just be Muslim nations that would help rebuild that area. I think it'd be European nations. I could see Asian countries wanting to involvement of that. I could see like groups like India. I could see those type of groups wanting to get involved as well, as well as the United States and having an international presence in Gaza and having a broad mix of people would help keep from what's happening, from what happened to happen again. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it needs to not just be Muslim nations. It needs to be global. And so I think that is is what is going to have to happen. So I have a little bit of just kind of a theory on this. It Saudi Arabia was going to was getting really close to joining the Abraham Accords. And this has obviously stalled that. And I kind of wonder if part of the reason that hasn't happened is this last great revival 
hasn't happened yet. And also that the entire world has not been preached the gospel. You know, there are still a few people groups that were that we know of that have not been reached. For instance, Sentinel Island, the North Sentinel Island, the Sentinelese, as they call them, and they they they're well documented, and they're protected by India, the country of India, um, and basically to be left in isolation. You know, there was an American missionary that was killed there back in 2018. And so they have not been preached the gospel yet. Christ said the entire world has to be preached the gospel. So I kind of wonder if some of this was to not allow that peace accord to completely get through until this is done. It was more of a stall tactic maybe than anything. And so, you, you know, you it's hard to say that when you're the ones in the middle of it. But when we look in hindsight in history, you know, it's a little easier for us to see it because all those people have passed away. So they're not in the middle right. of suffering and stuff. But we can see how World War One and World War Two created Israel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you can see that part of the purpose that was set by World War One and World War Two is that. God's hand worked in that to bring Israel together as a nation, as he promised. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pretty, yeah. but it did happen. And it fulfilled yeah. ancient prophecies that have been on the books for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we we yeah. can have that hindsight to that. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of wondering what we're going to say about this five years from now. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I just I still, the whole world has not been preached the gospel yet. Yep. So I kind of wonder if it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. It would be hard to imagine that there would be the level of peace that, or at least a false peace that would come about without Saudi Arabia being involved in it. Yeah. They are, they are too big of a player in that area. I think, and we know that, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to have, as Saudi Arabia goes, most of the Middle East will go. So let's see how it all plays out. I know. And and so the the building of the third temple, I I'm not, I don't think we're quite there yet, but they are certainly ready to do it. And it's going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. We know that it's just at at what point. And I, I kind of wonder if that's going to happen after a great revival. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And Scott, it's always great to to catch up with you and, and get your insight on what's going on. And, you know, all I can say is let's schedule another one because things change over there almost on a daily basis. Yes. And, and, well, I say and we jump back on here on next week. Yeah. I say this weekly update is, I think is, is really important. Our listeners enjoy it. And I know I've, I get a lot out of it and just to be able to put this out on the radio station and stuff as well. Just, it, it just helps keep everyone informed from the prophetic viewpoint of what we're looking at without having this, you know, standing up on a pulpit, waving a Bible around saying, the end is near, the end is near. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know some people are doing. Oh, I know. And I, and I really <laughs> wish they wouldn't do that. I, I got to take, with, with prophecy, it's both spiritual, but it's also evidential. And, yeah. and I just caution people that throughout history, even the prophets of the Old Testament, there was evidence 
as well as them prophesying. Usually their prophesying was like the last step after the evidence was already there. Mm -hmm. And they just weren't paying attention to it. They just refused to look at the truth. Yeah. Amen. So that's a lot of times when those prophets, when God would raise up those prophets. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. They want to reach out to you, you know, ask questions, et cetera. How can they get in touch with you? Well, they can reach me on, on uh, my email, gccgodcenteredconcept2038 at gmail.com. Amen, amen. And folks, drop down the show notes. We're putting all his links down the show notes. And order Scott's book, God Centered Concept Journal, Making God's Word My Ways. Amen. And listen to his podcast, God Centered Concept Podcast as well. Oh, Scott's been good. Can't wait for the next one. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me on the show, Bob. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Look forward to next week. Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Scott Wright, myself, Pastor Bob Romani, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you.